BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording, pre-recording from my Brooklyn solarium. Folks, it is Woke Wednesday, but more importantly, it is my birthday. Um, And I just want to start off today's show by saying just how much gratitude I have for each and every single one of you that have been supporting Woke AF for quite some time uh, on Patreon and those of you who have been riding with me since serious days. It's been quite an amazing journey. And I find that these days on my birthday, I actually just want to give gratitude to all of the people around me, my family, my friends. Um, you all woke AF nation, um, you know, the past couple of years, I think for all of us have been so incredibly trying. We've been tested in a lot of different ways. Um, and for me, you know, the journey I have shared with you all has been a long one to get to a place where right now I can say, I've learned several things that I would like to kind of share this morning Um, before we get into our normal Woke Wednesday conversation with our favorite in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. But I've been, I've learned a couple of things over the past few years. And one of it, one of them is this, that I want to center my life and my work around feeling, right? And around feelings of joy, feelings of passion, feelings of gratitude, feelings of peace, And I say that knowing, you know, that you all listen to me every single day, rage against the machine. But the thing that I have really understood uh, about what it means to be angry, and there's a book that I'm actually reading right now, um, and I'm hoping that we will have the author on, um, which talks about how important anger is and that it is important to embody anger, that anger is purposeful, right? Anger is a motivator. Anger springs us into action. But when we hold that anger, right, it begins to eat 
us from the inside out. It is toxic, right? That's why it is important to express it and get it out, but understand more importantly, what is it that is causing the anger, right? For adults, unlike children, when children get into their tantrums, when they get angry, they do that physically, right? Or yell or scream because they don't really have the articulation or or have the ability to truly interrogate their emotions. And it's a term that I've been using a lot lately, interrogate your feelings. I've been saying this to friends. Um, And I'm going to say it to all of you. What do I mean by interrogate your feelings? I mean, get to the why, right? It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel lonely. It's okay to feel enraged. It's okay to feel exhausted, right? I think that we live in a culture where we're really not allowed to express our feelings. And particularly if you come from a marginalized community, we all know the tropes about angry black women, you know, the aggressive black man. We all know the hot Latina, all of the stereotypes and tropes that are thrown at us that have us in a lot of ways dismiss our emotions. And what happens when we do that is that they bottle up much like traffic on a highway with no exits in sight, right? There's no free flowing. And I'm coming to understand that life really is about how we move in alignment and how we move in flow with our feelings and allow them to happen. And I say interrogate your feelings because get to your why. There are some days when I find myself completely depleted, And I don't just say, oh, well, I'm depleted. Let me go take a nap or let me go zone out. But what is causing that depletion, right? Because if I can get to, if I can begin to mine those emotions, then I can get to a place where I can understand, did I do something to disrupt my schedule, right? Did I get enough sleep? Did I drink enough water? Did I fall out of my regular routine? And in doing so, now I'm exhausted, right? Did I have an outlet for myself this day? Did I speak to my friends? Did I speak to my family? You know, how was I engaging? And a lot of times I find that on the days where I feel really depleted and really exhausted, I haven't worked out, right? And for me, initially when I started uh, really aggressively working out, it was always surrounded by weight loss. Every time that I would get on these workout, you know, binges and things, it was always about, I need to get to this particular number on the scale. I need to get to this particular number that's hanging in my closet. But nowadays I actually, and the pandemic has been really helpful in this fact that I look at my workouts as a way to stress relief right? I am filled with a lot of rage. There's a lot of shit to be angry about. If you are paying attention, then you were angry. But it's what else am I doing with that? Um, The show, right? The podcast as well as Woke Wednesdays and, you know, Democracy-ish and these places and this form of my work have been outlets in a lot of ways, but they've also been depleting. So I look for ways in which to understand the beginning of why I'm having these feelings and then understand what does it mean to alleviate them? So for me, walking, doing high intensity training, um, really makes me feel good, right? It gives me energy. And particularly when I say that I'm exhausted, but then I manage to put my yoga mat down on the floor right behind me 
and get into a workout, by the time that I'm finished, I do really feel better. My mother wasn't lying to me all of this time when she would say, go do yoga, go meditate, go work out. And I would say, no, I just want to lay on the couch and marinate in my misery. Um, that I realized that that is an outlet for me. So I say, feel your feelings, right? Allow yourself to go through your emotions you know, observe your emotions, which is what meditation teaches you to not pull yourself out of your emotions, but to observe them the way that you do clouds in the sky, the way that you do wind blowing through trees, the way that you observe, you know, the people around you, you don't attach yourself to them, but you recognize that it's happening. Right. And it's the same thing I feel with our emotions and with anger and with rage. And for me, what I am learning and practicing, I'm not saying that I have found the answers, but what I am learning and what is working for me is that I say what I have to say, right? Whether it's to an individual or to an entire audience, and then I let it go. And it doesn't mean that I don't care. It just means that I've, I reconcile with myself that I've done what I can. I've put the energy out there. I've shared the message that I've wanted to share, and then I move on. And I have found that over the almost two years now um, of this practice that I no longer carry the same type of pain that I was holding for really a long time to the point where my family started to say, maybe you shouldn't do this show anymore because you being forced or forcing yourself to be in the know of everything bad that is happening is changing you. It's changing your personality. It's changing your demeanor. And they were right because I hadn't figured out what my outlet was, how I was planning to actually move, right? To move this energy around my body and out of my body, right? And I'm a person who has wanted to dedicate their life and their work to public service, whether it was working on the Hill, working for nonprofit organizations, working for different movement and social justice organizations or women's rights organizations or LGBTQ. I've always wanted my work to be on purpose, right? And with that comes a lot of emotional exhaustion because you're both working to push justice forward for a community that you're actually being oppressed in, right? And so there's a lot that's there. There's a lot that is there to mine. And what I offer to all of you today as my gift, my birthday gift to all of you is to begin to interrogate your feelings. Begin to understand where you have formed attachments, right? And are those attachments fruitful for you? Or is there more consciousness and awareness that you need to bring to varied situations, feelings, and emotions and expressions as a way to begin to release, right? Release the negative energy, release the toxicity. And a lot of the conversations that are upcoming uh, in, the, in this week and in the coming days um, are with people who do extraordinary work whether they are historians, doctors, journalists, activists, artists. Um, but I'm asking them, I'm asking a lot of people the same question, which is how do you stay in joy? How do you find your joy, right? 
Um, what does that look like for you on a daily basis? Because frankly, folks in the society that we live in, they tell you to suspend joy for 40 hours a week. Then you go ahead and grab onto what you can for that good day and a half of the weekend before you start all over again. They tell you to hold on to your joy for 50, for, for 50 weeks, right? Out of the year. And then you get two weeks of vacation to then what? Live? If we are not living every day, if we're not choosing how we want to live, if we're not orienting ourselves around the types of feelings that we want, we've had a couple of really great conversations with folks, you know, about work and our relationship to work. And do we go after work that is about our quote unquote passion or do we orient our work around how we want to feel at the end of the day? You know, maybe if we were to start thinking in that way, how do I want to feel when I enter into this space, when I leave this space, right? Then maybe we realize that we don't need as much as we think because look, everything is a capitalistic driver, right? Like you're sitting around, you're watching TV, even if you're fucking watching Netflix and the shit goes on pause, they're still advertising to you because do you know what these companies have realized? Is that your TVs are personalized billboards that are in your home. A couple of months ago, I was chilling on my couch, hanging out with a friend, and we were doing what everybody does on Netflix, just going through all the categories, trying to find something to watch. Eventually, you know, listening to music, hanging out, and forgot about the TV. Then all of a sudden, my smart TV started advertising all of the shows, all of the series and the movies that were on Netflix. So even when we weren't actively going through the list, the TV was still advertising to us, making us think that we wanted something that we actually had decided we didn't want. But I needed to hit off twice in order to get my personalized billboard to go off. And so we don't realize how often we are inundated with messages that are telling us that we need more or should want more than we actually have or really truly need. I've been thinking about happiness a lot these days because I find myself after a really uh, ending, a really long relationship, uh, going through divorce, uh, unpacking a lot of negativity and toxicity and really understanding what is it that I want my life to be about? What do I want to do? What do I want to offer? Again, interrogating those feelings. I started to realize that all of the things that I thought that I wanted, that I thought meant success in one place or another, didn't conjure actually the type of feeling that I wanted right? I want to feel light. I want to feel at ease. I want to feel at peace. And you may say to yourself, Danielle, how do you do that when the world is falling apart around you? And I say, how do you not do that when the world is falling apart around you? Because you see, what I keep saying and what I want to offer is that if we are not grounding ourselves, rooting ourselves like trees in things that are actually within our control, then what are we doing? We are just reacting to the whims of these other people. Now, 
I have the ability in my small corner of the world, but we all do, because that's what social media was intended to do, was to democratize how we communicate, right? So we all have the ability to have nuance, to use our platforms, but then recognize that we can use our platforms to do other things other than spend day in and day out talking about our talking about our white supremacist domestic terrorist political party that's trying to destroy the country. Though that is true. That is absolutely true. But do you know what else is true? The leaves are changing colors if you live on the East Coast. Like they there's a crispness to the air now. It's cozy sweater season. The holidays are approaching, hoping to share with like friends and family or family, right? Life is about choosing. That's what I believe like actual freedom is. That's why I fight for social justice so that people have choices, right? They have the same choices that everybody else has, right? Um, that's what I fight for. But what I recognize is that happiness is a choice, but it isn't a passive choice. You have to actually work to be happy. You have to think about what you are grateful for each and every day. You have to honor that. You have to put yourself in places and spaces with people who help you vibrate higher and be better. And so I offer this as my gift to all of you on my birthday today, because we all deserve joy. We all deserve sunshine and laughter and happiness and dance and music, you know? Um, and I want us not to suspend or wait for particular moments to really live. I want us to be living every single day because you don't know when it's going to be over. You don't know how it's going to end. And so if that is true, then how are we really living each day? How are we expressing our joy, our gratitude, our peace, and what are we offering into the world? I do believe that small groups of people can change the world. As Margaret Mead said, it's indeed the only thing that ever has. And I do believe that self-care is an act of revolution. That is what Audre Lorde said. I also believe that joy, unrelenting, beautiful, just connected joy is how we fight against the hatred and the disgust and the oppression that we see. They are not going to steal my joy from me, right? Because even during slavery, there was dancing, there was music, there was love, there was marriage, there was hope. They refused, right, in their own way to be ruined. And when I say ruined, I mean to have every aspect of you destroyed. We have autonomy. And we have choices on how we engage with each other, how we engage with the news, right? I don't say to turn it off because we need an engaged citizenry, but you can choose how and when you do. 
I'm happy that all of you have been engaging with me and in community with each other, talking in the comments section, connecting with each other on Woke Wednesdays, on the IG Live. It brings me such extraordinary joy. And I can't thank you all enough um, for making it worthwhile for me to wake up in the morning, for making it worthwhile for me to turn on the TV and to want to figure out what's going on so that I can share it with all of you. Um, I get to do what I love. Some days I don't like it, but I always love it. And it is because of all of you. And so today I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. Um, and find ways to live in your joy, whatever that is, find it and do it each and every day. Coming up next, dear friends, is my conversation with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, where we will discuss the latest with COVID-19, um, what Jonathan's thoughts are about the vaccines that are now approved uh, for people as young as five, for children as young as five years old. I'll talk about my own experience getting the booster shot uh, over the weekend, uh, I can report that I had no symptoms other than dead arm. You know, I couldn't, couldn't really lift it, uh, for, for about a day, but that was it. Um, we'll get into that and so much more. So coming up next, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. Folks, as you know, I'm always excited when I have the opportunity to chat with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, um, to discuss, you know, a myriad of things that are plaguing our world, that doom. are plaguing... We talk about doom. We talk about doom. Sometimes we text about, you know, nice things, but on a regular basis, I think that we talk probably more about doom. Um, but I wanted to start off today with sharing a little bit. We, we will talk about COVID as we've been doing. You, do you realize, Jonathan, that you and I have been talking about COVID for almost two years? It will, be, it will be two years when the calendar year changes. Oh, my God. I had a full head of hair when we started talking. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. This thing, it's, just, it's our life, I guess. It's our life. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. It really is our life. And it's, you know, what I find these days is, you know, e e we're never going to not talk about COVID. I, I feel, I feel like, um, we're never going to not hear about it in, you know, in the news, we are going to be in a constant state of watching numbers go up, go down. I think that, well, first off, I, I will let folks know this, um, over the weekend, I was finally able to receive my booster shot. Um, I had dead arm for, you know, about the day, about 24 hours, and that was it. I had no side effects, um, but I didn't have any side effects in the first, you know, in, in the first iteration of the vaccine, thankfully. Um, no fever, no chills, like no nothing. And the same thing both true for the booster shot. Um, I had Moderna as my vac as my vaccine, and I had Pfizer as as the booster shot. Jonathan, what are, have you been hearing and thinking with regard to the boosters? And you know, it, it looks as if only seventeen percent 
of Americans, if am I wrong, that have received a booster shot at this point? Well, I I went to hospital, so I got my booster a couple months ago, and I I was bummed out, right? I got Moderna for my first shot, and then I got Moderna as the booster, and I didn't feel anything. Like, you know, I had a little sore arm for a little bit, but I'm like, did you guys give me like the Groupon booster or like a sugar pill or something like that? Because I didn't have any side effects at all. And that was most people, uh, most people um, I know did not, did not have any, any side effects. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like if people were like freaked out by the first two shots, because people, people really had some side effects from the second shot very often. But I think in general, the side effects of the booster, you know, because your system's kind of used to this thing by now. Uh, were were a lot less, and so that 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 was kind of part of what I was part of what I was experiencing. But I do think that in general, you know, in general, more people getting boosters, I think, in general, is a good thing in the context of what what we what we've been talking about. You know what I have to say too. So I would I went into a local CVS um, out on Long Island and was able to make an appointment about probably two days before I, I arrived, they had, you know, a slew of appointments available because I hadn't been able to get a booster in Brooklyn. There were, there have been no appointments and it's a, it's appointment only. So I, I went out to Long Island. I was able to get it there. And Jonathan, you know, I'm sitting and I'm waiting the 15 minutes, right? Uh, after you get the shot to make sure you're okay. When, for me, when I get shots or, you know, of anything, um, I get woozy like immediately uh, and then it, and then it dissipates. I don't know if it's more my anxiety or like what, you know, what the shot is that I'm getting, but it happens, uh, without fail. But I was sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, God, I can't stand Americans. They are so selfish and so self-absorbed. And I say that because it was literally no sweat off my back to go and get this appointment. Um, it was free. Right. And all I could think of, Jonathan, as I'm sitting there are the millions of people that are still around the world that are still clamoring to try and get their first shot of a vaccine. The fact that their governments haven't had, you know, easy rollouts, the fact that it's money that is coming out of their pockets, even though country, the more uh, the wealthier high high income countries said that they would provide um help and, and economic, uh, boost, you know, to those, to, to places and pay for vaccines. But we know that that's been lagging. And I think to myself, my God, Americans have it so goddamn easy. And yet we look to make everything so hard. Well, you know, it's weird because again, like the, 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 you know, as we, you know, we've got like now quite a lot of data on these vaccines. Right. And it's, it's just, um, you know, there, it's just so clear, first of all, what's happening. Like there are countries in Europe, for example, that have very low vaccination rates that have high COVID rates. And there are countries that have relatively high vaccination rates that have low COVID rates. And so the vaccines are super effective. And as you say, you know, it's crazy, but like in Africa, like less than 10% of the people have, have even have access to a vaccine, notably less. And, and so in a way, number one, just as a country, we have a lot of privilege right now of access to this particular technology and the fact that we're fighting about it and politicizing it. I totally agree with you is incredibly appalling. Um, but I don't know. It's hard because that also that argument is not going to work, right? Our, it's our goal to get as many people vaccinated as, as, as possible. We want many people to get vaccinated and that argument will work as well as like 
you know, the argument of like, they're poor starving children in Ethiopia. So eat your dinner when you're a kid and stuff like that. Like people don't respond to that kind of logic. And so I think this is just kind of the state of where things are. Um, in general, in general, right now, America is doing pretty well. I mean, boosters aside, our rates of Delta are going down. It feel, it seems like places that have had the most vaccines uh, are doing the best. Um, but there are, it's not like, oh my God, we're, there's some good things happening and mm-hmm. some scary things happening. Mm-hmm. The good things I'll start with first. Um, See, sometimes that, I prefer you start with the bad things so that we can end okay. on the good things. All right. I'll start with the bad thing then. The bad <laughs> like, tell us what's terrible so we can end on bad, something good. You know, the bad thing put out is that the WHO put out a warning this morning, which I totally agree with. I've been thinking this for a while, which is that there are plenty of places in Europe that have good adherence and good vaccination rates that are seeing virus resurgences. And so there's a lesson in that for the United States right now, which is like, even though our rates are falling right now, we tend to follow Europe by a month or two pretty often. And Europe is getting hammered certain parts of Europe right now. And so this idea of like the whole thing being over and stuff like that, we should just look as we did in the very beginning of the pandemic to Europe and recognize that's probably what our fate is going to be. We're probably going to see some kind of other rise. And so right now is a very important time to get people vaccinated as much as possible. So um, partially, I think the warning sign is comparable countries, comparable vaccine rates, even better, a little bit better than ours, are seeing rises in virus right now. Um, is part it of that still is the, because- I was going to say, is it, is it still Delta that it, it, it there, yeah. we, we haven't been talking about any new variations, uh, uh, for for quite some time, thank God. Um, but why is this? You were about to say, but why is this rise happening? Well, two reasons. One is there's probably a more contagious version of Delta out there. Certainly, that that's what people are thinking about in the UK right now. Um, but the other is, um, you know, kids haven't been vaccinated. Um, people are letting their guard down and going back to mosh pits, which I love and I miss. Um, and, and and other kinds of daily life kinds of things for a lot of people. And so social behavior is just going back to baseline. Um, so there are a bunch of different reasons that people just kind of thought, oh, we're, this is over because our rates are falling. And so it's all of the it's all of those factors together. Um, and there's still an open debate about how how contagious fully vaccinated people are in terms of what they're passing on to other people. We still you know, we're working on it pretty hard, but we still don't know the answer. So I think that th- those are the reasons. Um but again, this is, as they say, an evolving situation. And we have to think of it that way um, because it's not like, oh, here's the answer. And then tomorrow, because it's not exactly the same. I understand that's anxiety producing. But I would say, you know, we just have to keep reminding people we're in the best possible spot right now. Right. We have the most access to the best treatment. Um, and we should we should continually to continue continually remember that. And there are, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it'll work here, but there are places like Singapore and Asia and places like that, where if people don't want to get vaccinated, that's kind of their right. But they also are getting denied access to like free treatment, like the free booster you got or free healthcare or free COVID tests, stuff like that. So I think there's going to be a, a, a economic price to pay. Also, again, we'll have to see how that happens. But um, of course, having a lot of unvaccinated people is also just very expensive for our country because... Mm-hmm. The, those people end up in the ICU and stuff like that. So the question is, what's the economic cost of, of this kind of, kind of stuff? You know, um, so now we have five to 11 year olds 
um, with the Pfizer. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, yes. Wait, I didn't get to say the good thing. Oh, didn't you didn't get, get to say the good thing. thing. You're right. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me not jump in. Jonathan, what is your good thing to say? Well, you were leading it to two good things. Number one is um, vaccinating uh, kids 5 to 11 is going to be huge. It's a huge deal, massive deal. And I think that it'll, it will dramatically stop spread. It'll dramatically improve health. And it, and also, because there is still long COVID for kids, it'll improve the lives of a lot of kids. And so certainly, I think that getting kids vaccinated um, is a big deal. They're getting a smaller dose of the, of the vaccine. Um, but I think, it, I think it's a huge deal. And, you know, there's, you know, there's a, like, if you look at the numbers, like the negative effects are so minimal compared to the actual effects of COVID. I know in parts of the world, they're not using a full dose of Moderna for kids mm-hmm. because of the very, very small risk, but a real risk of, of cardiac um, inflammation. Um, so we, all, we also have Pfizer and other stuff like that. But the other big news is that Pfizer has a pill that basically works the same way that monoclonal antibodies do. This pill, uh, and I've been excited about this for a long time. I think we talked about it on the show a couple months ago, that basically this is a pill that works the same way that monoclonal antibodies do. It gives you an antibody boost um, in response to a pill. So if you get if you get COVID, um, uh, you can just take this pill and it will actually work the same way. It'll, it, it'll boost, your, it boost your immune response. So having a pill treatment for... Um, for COVID, for people who get COVID, I think it's going to be a big deal because it's really a pain um, in the nethers to actually um, go get monoclonal antibody treatment. But the fact that there's going to be a pill for people who've been infected, I think is also a very big, it comes with a caveat, but it's a very big deal. Is it something, is this pill, if you contract COVID, do you have to take it within a certain time frame? Otherwise, yes. the treatment is not as effective? Yeah, and that's true for monoclonal antibodies also. Okay. So if you think you've got it, you take up. It's basically the the, the deal is going to be uh, if you take think you've got it, you take a home test, you you're positive, you take the pill, and 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 it'll improve your outcomes. Now there are other anti-inflammatory kind of medications that are working. There's an older antidepressant that seems to be helping people. So anything that's going to mitigate the effects once you get the illness is a big deal. Um, the caveat is that the illness, as we know, is a pretty slippery mofo, and so as people start taking this pill, um, the virus is going to start inventing ways to get around it. And so, you know, we have a lot of pills that were promising in the beginning, but as the antibody, as the virus became more resistant, they were less effective. But at least at this moment, it's going to, it's going to be a big deal. You know, I wanted to ask you this question. I was reading an article in the New York Times over the weekend, and it was a story of a woman who had long COVID. Um, and she ended up killing herself because the, I guess her, her organs were shutting down, the depression had settled in and she just realized after months and months and months, she didn't want to live like that anymore. Um, so sadly she ended up taking her own life. I don't feel like we are talking about long COVID enough. I don't know if that's because we don't have a real understanding about how it's caused and how it varies from person to person. But again, you know, I am of the philosophy that we need to scare people, right, into wanting to get the vaccine, into understanding that it isn't just, oh, well, I get COVID and then it goes away. It's like, no, there are many people who get it and they are suffering. They are now going to be, you know, technically disabled 
you know, moving forward, being able to get disability because of the effects. Can you talk to us about what you know about long COVID, what you have heard, what you have studied and understand it to be? Sure. Well, let me just tell you why I think it makes sense and why maybe a little bit of help conceptualizing it. In the very beginning, people thought that COVID was a lung disease. And as shitty as having a lung disease is, you know, a lot of people like me thought, well, that's bad. <laughs> but, you know, we can we can treat a lung disease, right? We'll, we'll block access to lungs. We will, we have treatments for lung diseases, things like that. So when we thought it was just staying in the lungs, the way largely some viruses, I mean, when you get a cold, for example, it's not like bloating around your brain and stuff like that. Um, you know, so if we thought it was a respiratory disease, uh, um, possibly similar to like a rhinovirus or something like that. But then people started having a bunch of other symptoms like cardiac inflammation, or the Mm -hmm. most important was psychiatric symptoms, which is what I pay attention to, or forgetfulness, brain symptoms, fatigue, all these other factors. And then all of a sudden you're like, this virus is not just staying in one part of people's bodies. Um, It actually has the ability to do things like, um, to use a technical term, cross the blood brain barrier. That's the barrier that basically keeps your brain and your um, cerebrospinal fluid enclosed in your spine and your brain, right? Um, and so if a virus can get in there, which is like sacred space for humanity, right? Because that's like very pristine territory. Mm-hmm. If a virus can do that, then we're looking at a different kind of virus. And so you start thinking like what other viruses can do that kind of thing, can get into your heart, can get into your brain. And then it's a then it's not a great category, right? Because you think, for example, of Lyme disease, right? Lyme disease can get into, you know, all these places that make you think and feel and feel tired <laughs> and things like that. Um, herpes is another really um, good example, right? Because think, think about like when you had chicken pox as a kid and then you can get herpes zoster later on in your life because this thing is living in your in your nerve cells and your mm, root ganglion mm-hmm. for your entire life. Um, herpes, encephalitis, um, all these kind of things. These things never go away. They're living in you forever <laughs> in a way. And, you know, then, then, then you're ta- not talking about treating these things. You're talking about suppressing these things. And so um, there are a lot of people who have, I mean, just to be totally honest, I have a version of this because I have a version of vertigo. Um, that is in my inner ear. It turns out like a lot of men get this for some reason. Um, and it's like a herpes virus that you get like when you're a kid from your lip or your something like that. And it lives in your ear. And so I have this wow. dizziness that I, you know, that I've had to take um, a, a, a antiviral. It's kind of probably why I freaked out <laughs> about COVID so long. Um, but it's like, I, you know, it's no big deal. I just have to take a suppressant drug because it's not like we can kill something like that. Or like, you know, people who have um, have um, shingles, right? Same kind mm-hmm, of thing. So mm-hmm. these things live in you. And so I guess the, the point I'm trying to make here is COVID put itself in that category, right? It, it's the kind of thing that's going to live in your body. And, um, and, it's, and, and so that's why I feel like people who are fighting to not, you should not get COVID <laughs> if you can help it um, be, for this reason. Now, your immune response is super important. All these things that, you know, leading intellectuals like Aaron Rodgers are telling us all that stuff's super important. Ah, I wanted um, to, I want to talk about him too very quickly, yeah. but go ahead. 
But I'm saying that long COVID is telling us as a species that this illness is living in our body, right? And it's going to impact different people the, the way it does other people. But again, I, I'm thinking about this COVID in a, in a way similar to like Lyme disease chronic, causing chronic fatigue or herpes causing chronic encephalitis and things like that. Like in a way, all of a sudden it becomes something that you need to suppress. And, and what that means is that our immune system is not just going to destroy it completely for certain people, not for others. I mean, that's really frightening, right? And again, I don't think that we're having those kind of conversations about how this virus lives and where it will live and how it won't, it it is not going to go away. Um, You know, on the, on the Aaron Rodgers point, how dangerous was it what he did in terms of lying to the league or we're, we're understanding now that everybody knew that he wasn't vaccinated, but the public didn't know. And I just want to say, again, from your perspective, how dangerous is what it was that he has done, which is lying? Well, I think for me, it's the lying, right? I mean, I, I think that we're at a point right now. I wear, When I get on an airplane, I wear a mask. In fact, I wear three masks <laughs> because a lot of people aren't wearing masks on airplanes right now. Um, and I'm just trying to protect myself and then protect the people who I'm going to hang out with. Um but I, I'm, I don't know if somebody is not going to wear a mask. Like At least now I feel like I have a mask regimen that will protect me. I just treat an airplane like I treat the emergency room. <laughs> you know, I figure there's COVID all around me and I want to protect myself. Um, and, um, and, and it's the same thing with vaccines. Like, I just think I want everybody to get it. I want us to do better. But I realize certain people aren't going to do it right now. Um, so I... I think that that's fine, but I think the lying is a major, major issue, right? Mm-hmm. This guy was not wearing a mask and going into the room with media. I think that he was putting all these other people, including his teammates at risk. He was putting reporters at risk and things like that. So I think really for me, what, what's really the dishonesty and then come on, dude, like um, you're really going to then quote MLK, <laughs> you know? So I just think that it, it just had like weenus written all over it for me. Um, and I, I would contrast it with like Kyrie Irving, who, even though I don't agree with what he's doing, at least he's saying, look, I made this choice and I'm going to adhere by the by the policy. So I think the issue for me was the line more than anything. Yeah, it was just, it was the same for me, because at this point in time, there honestly was no reason um, for him to lie. Just be honest. I'm not getting vaccinated and like stick stick by whatever your convictions are, um, even if they're bullshit, uh, just stick by them and be and be honest about it. Uh, I don't agree with any of these athletes that don't get vaccinated, but I have more respect for the ones at the very least that are open uh, and transparent about it. Um, As always, Jonathan, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF and walk us through what is our new abnormal COVID and how we're living with it. We'll get through it, everybody. (laughs) Appreciate you. That is it for me today, dear friends, on this wonderful, wonderful Woke Wednesday slash birthday. 
There will be no Woke Wednesday IG Live today. I am taking my own advice and I am taking the rest of the week off. But don't you worry because there are brand new episodes every single day this week because I think about you all before I check out. So do know that there are wonderful interviews and episodes that are planned for you, but there will be no live today. But I will be back next week, Wednesday, live on IG at 3.30 p.m. Eastern per usual. As always, dear friends, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, and Lee Bogan and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.